well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you've joined the program today. Coming up in just a matter of moments, we're going to be talking about Joe Biden's proposed order on uh, unfinished firearms, the attempt to redefine what a firearm is under the Gun Control Act of 1968, uh, as well as the attempt to impose a new record-keeping requirements on our nation's gun store owners. Uh, this order, proposed order anyway, proposed rule coming down late Friday afternoon. I mean, the, you know, you talk about the Friday afternoon document dump in Washington, D.C., and this is basically when uh, administrations put out stuff that they really don't want to get a lot of attention. So it is kind of odd that the Biden administration, the first proposed executive action on guns, they released not on a Monday morning, but literally like 4.30 on a Friday afternoon, just kind of burying this release in the news cycle. I don't know if they uh, are hoping that the media won't pay attention to it. If you're a gun control advocate, by the way, you've got to be kind of frustrated by that. I mean, the Biden administration, you've already been you know haranguing them to do more, and then they drop this news at uh, 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. Of course, uh, the the details... Uh, of this proposed order, exactly what gun control advocates want. So they're not going to be too upset about it. But again, we're going to talk with uh, Matthew LaRosier, uh, who is the uh, director of legal policy at the uh, Firearms Policy Coalition. Uh, in couple, in a, uh, just a couple of minutes, Matt has had a chance to uh, look over the dozens of pages of this proposed rule and to uh, get to know the devil in the details. And so we'll be uh, discussing uh, primarily what gun owners can do right now, because we are at the beginning of this 90-day public comment period. So we do have an opportunity to weigh in right now, and I hope uh, that you will take advantage of that opportunity to weigh in and express your uh, opinion about this proposal. Uh, but after this window has closed, what happens if the uh, Biden administration uh, moves forward uh, with their plans here, are any of these things uh, actionable in court? We're going to talk with uh, Matt LaRosier about that uh, coming up in just a minute or two. Also want to uh, congratulate Glenn Youngkin in the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia for winning the Republican nomination for governor. That uh, announced late on Monday night, the convention, drive through convention, uh, held around the state on uh, Saturday. I will confess to you, I was not a delegate. Uh, this time around, it was a very convoluted process. There were, uh, I know, a number of folks who did not end up being delegates who uh, who wanted to. Uh, so I did not cast a vote for uh, governor. But uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, defeating uh, Pete Snyder, Amanda Chase, uh, Kirk Cox, and uh, several other candidates uh, to get the Republican nomination. We'll know who the Democrat nominee is going to be after the uh, party holds their primaries next month. Front runner is former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe who is uh, hoping for a second non-consecutive term. Uh, and we'll be talking a lot about the Virginia governor's race in the uh, months ahead, because not only is this sort of a uh, a potential preview of the 2022 midterms, but as a resident of Virginia, as somebody who has watched this state trend blue over the last few years, I'm really hoping that uh, this is an opportunity to stem the, uh, the, 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 the tide of uh, the anti-gun movement uh, in the state where I live. Speaking of the uh, anti-gun movement, you know, they do believe that this is their best shot, their best window of opportunity to advance new gun control legislation. And they're doing everything they can to take advantage of this moment in time. Meanwhile, the Second Amendment Foundation, you know, they've got a proven track record in court protecting the right to keep and bear arms. We can count on them to uh, protect 
our Second Amendment against the radical left's overreach. But time is running out, and uh, this is the time to get involved right now. If you want to be a part of the uh, fight to defend your firearms freedoms, you can join the Second Amendment Foundation. All you got to do, actually, is text JOIN SAF to 474747. Again, text JOIN SAF to 474747 to show your support for the Second Amendment Foundation's hard work to defend our right to keep and bear arms. All right, so let's turn our attention again to uh, Joe Biden and the Department of Justice and David Chipman, Biden's ATF's nominee, and this uh, new proposed rule dealing with unfinished firearms, uh, the build-your-own-gun kits, and, and even really the definition of what a firearm is under federal law, because this proposal by the Biden administration would change all of that. And again, here to talk about it, the uh, Fire and Policy Coalition's Director of Legal Policy, Matthew LaRosier. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show, sir. It's good to talk with you today. Hey, Cam, good to see you again. Uh, all right. So I don't even want to know how many hours you've spent uh, pouring over this proposed rule since it came out uh, late Friday afternoon. It was so nice of the Biden administration to uh, to drop that on a uh, Friday afternoon for us. Um, but I, I'm assuming that you have uh, taken a look at this proposal. Um, let me ask you just generally, um, how concerned should gun owners be? And then we'll get into some of the specifics. This is probably the most extreme departure um, that we've seen from the ATF in quite some time. I think that this is, in my opinion, it's worse than the bump stock reclassification. So um, I think we need to be extremely concerned. I think all of us, not just gun owners, need to be concerned about the unaccountability of our administrative state. And uh, this is just one in, unfortunately, far too many examples of of this type of behavior. So you, you say that the you think this is worse than the bump stock ban. Is that just because of the scope uh, of uh, of this proposal? I mean, this deals with basically, you know, every firearm in existence when we're talking about right. redefining what a receiver is. Right. And don't get me wrong. The bump stock ban was absolutely unquestionably wrong and extremely bad. Uh, but so just for comparison with that, they they did limit themselves pretty well to one term right here. They took the term frame or receiver. Right. And yes, it's in their purview to define that. But how they define that here was by cross referencing effectively to three other areas of the law and then injecting additional terms to define. Right. Like it, the law just said frame or receiver. Right. Mm-hmm. It didn't say anything about partial frames. It didn't say anything about future frames. That's all it said. They insert this word readily and then spend a whole, you know, multiple pages describing what that means. That doesn't sound like a good faith definition of a single word. That sounds like they're trying to make new law. Absolutely. And that's that's the problem here, right? Because Congress, uh, even if it abdicates its authority, uh, its rulemaking authority to government agencies, it's still the legislative uh, uh, branch that has to create new law, right? right. It's the executive branch that may uh, interpret and set regulations based on those laws. Um, but this appears to be overreach to you? Oh, absolutely, unquestionably, especially when it comes to incomplete frames or receivers. As as you guys know, they're, they've really um, had their sights set on 80% polymer 80s and you know, AR lowers for a long time. And the way they're choosing to accomplish that here is, in my opinion, by effectively changing the GCA. Uh, like I said, within just the definition or in just the, the section of law where frame or receiver is listed, it just says 
the frame or receiver, right? That part. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about, um, you know, a partial or, or anything like that. Something uh, that could be a receiver at some point if more exactly. work is done to it. Right. Right. Exactly. So this is pretty extreme. And there are other areas of the law that do refer to, you know, future parts or readily or this and that. Um, and they're just choosing to inject that here. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it seems to me like if this were an easy thing for the ATF to do, if this were something that, well, you know, look, we've got the power, we can, we can do this. They they probably would have done this a long time ago, right? right. I mean, the, the fact is, and even the uh, the DOJ, Mary Garland, kind of acknowledged this is the first time where he said updating definitions mm-hmm. uh, is how he described, right? First time in 50 years we're updating definitions. Well, you know, what he's talking about is uh, this is the first time since the Gun Control Act of 1968 was put in place that the agency is now trying to redefine these terms. It's not that they're updating the definition, they're redefining right. what a frame or receiver is. Right. And, uh, you know, for sure, the definition that we had for, you know, since 1971 was pretty stunted. Uh, you know, it basically defined a revolver. It, it wasn't a, a great definition. That said, it seems to me like the only reason they're doing this is because they started losing. Right. They were getting away with vaguely interpreting that um, definition all this time. And then they start actually losing cases in, you know, like just position of an AR-15 lower um, cases, which I think were actually correctly decided. Uh, and now, of course, suddenly with them losing in court and then on top of that, the inability to get to get gun tr- control through the legislature and everybody freaking out about um ghost guns, right? Homemade firearms that have been a uh, fundamental thread of this country's fabric uh, since before it even uh, came to exist. Uh, I think they, they're kind of viewing it as a, an opportunity to uh, really test the limits of what they can get away with administratively. All right. So so let's kind of uh, break it down. Let's talk about the the unfinished frames of receivers, the, the quote unquote ghost gun material that right. the, uh, the Biden administration talks about. Um, under this proposal, basically, Anything that could be, quote unquote, readily converted into a firearm would have to be sold, serialized, and individuals have to go through a background check to purchase it, right? So even if it's not a firearm, as defined by federal law, the ATF says, well, you could turn it into a gun and therefore you need to go through a background check before you purchase it. Right. And it's funny. And when they talk about firearm, one of the predicate terms is a weapon, right? And so if it never got finished... How is it a weapon, right? That's one of many things to to wrap your head around. Um, but but yeah, they are attacking these. Um, so the, I I hate the term ghost gun because there's nothing really particularly untraceable about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're saying um, I, I think they're intentionally using those terms to confuse people with like you know um, like these imaginary guns that that go through airport security, etc. Um, this. We've had forever unserialized firearms. In fact, 19, uh, before 1968, you didn't have to serialize any of them. And it's standard practice when you get a firearm into your FFL that doesn't have a serial number, the identifying characteristic is that it doesn't have a serial number. You put NSN in your bound book. Um, so what they want to do now, um, and actually how they've defined it is is, is so ridiculous because again, it's there's all these cross reference terms. It's like you need um, it's like one of, you need one of those conspiracy webs to figure out what they're talking about. <laughs> um, it, it says it's I 
is an item that is readily identifiable or immediately identifiable as an incomplete firearm part. Right? Okay. Yeah, and so, like, when I see, um, you know, when I see a piece of one and, and, a, and a half muffler tubing, I'm like, oh, stem. That's a stem, almost. Right? Right. <laughs> so, that kind of uh, throws me off. Um, and then, yeah, so they're like, is readily identifiable as an incomplete firearm part that can be readily, um, you know, restored, converted, or blah, blah, blah. And they use all these different terms, restored, converted, or uh, completed. Like, they, they added all these terms. And as for, and so you're thinking, okay, well, again, that muffler pipe, how much work do I really need? So then they link to all of these different uh, court decisions that were interpreting other areas of the law, by the way, not this, um, that were saying everything between, um, oh, you know, 30 minutes with a Dremel counts to eight hours in a well-equipped machine, uh, machine shop counts as, uh, you know, readily restored, which, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's a lot I can get done with eight hours in a machine, <laughs> machine shop. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's exactly. wild, completely yeah. wild. All right, so uh, then we've got the, uh, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, um, the, the fact that um, many firearms today don't have a single part that meets the ATF definition, the current definition of a, of a receiver, right? right. And, and so the ATF, as you say, they've lost court cases. They've gone into court, uh, you know, pursuing, uh, you know, criminal charges against individuals that, that they uh, allege are, are, you know, illegally manufacturing guns. And these cases have ultimately they, they, they've pulled back. They've had to uh, in some cases, they've lost these cases. In some cases, they've dropped prosecution because the judge has pointed out, OK, yeah, but look, the, the your definition doesn't meet the, the federal statute here. Right. Rather than Congress, again, going and, you know, trying to make sure that the statute matches the definition, the ATF is now trying to decide and declare that. Well, even though these parts don't meet our definition, we're just going to change the definition of what a receiver is to now include partial receivers, because otherwise it would just be too much work. And the ATF basically says, look, we could lose cases uh, and, you know, it'd right. be uh, a, a chaos. People could be making guns left and right and there'd be nothing that we could do about it. What's going on with this issue, Matt? Uh, I mean, and, and is this the right way to to address uh, any potential problem here? Well, I mean, looking at the ATF's, um, you know, perspective here, I mean, just imagine what life would be like if not everything was illegal. I, I mean, like, can you conceive <laughs> what that might be like? It's ridiculous. So I understand, you know, uh, with that perspective, it makes sense why they have to come in and administratively ban everything. Um, it's it. I just think the whole thing is ridiculous. It's clearly politically motivated. Um, the and. There's so much going on here because they want to have their cake and eat it too, right? They want to say, oh, we're not we're not going back and changing our mind on any of the things that we've called receivers before, right? Which is what I was expecting them to do. Mm -hmm. I, was ex I was originally expecting that they would write a definition that said something like, you know, had the most of these parts or, or something like that so that they could save all their previous definitions. But what they did now is it sa is said, well, the frame or receiver could have one or all or maybe none of these parts uh, and still be a frame or receiver. If we've already said it's a frame or receiver, it's a frame or receiver. And if we haven't seen it yet, then 
well, effectively, every single major part of the firearm is the frame or receiver and must be treated as such until we see one and decide which part it is. Uh, and that's, you know, the law pretty clearly refers to one part. I think they have to choose a part. Uh, and, and that's what I think is, is going to be one of their big challenges here. I think the law very clearly limits it to a part. Um, but, but yeah, like you were saying, they want to. And they want to have it both ways. I mean, everyone thought, everyone thought that they were going to go after uppers, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I knew that wasn't going to happen because then they'd have to deal with all these, uh, you know, the pre-classification AR-15s or whatever, right? But now, like you were saying, they get it both ways. If if you come out with a brand new rifle tomorrow and ATF hasn't seen it yet, and it, you know, it takes a, it's kind of similar to an AR upper and lower type deal. Well, you're imperiled to have no idea which part is the frame or receiver until they get their mitts on it. And that's not what the law requires. Yeah, and that and that's again. I mean, for for something that supposedly is to uh, provide clarity uh, to the firearms industry, it seems exactly. like you know this provides no clarity at all, other than uh, you know the ATF is the one that makes the determinations, and you'll find out if your gun is good to go after you submit it to the ATF. But there's no way for these manufacturers to actually know. Okay, is this uh, going to fit within their guidelines until they submit their product to the agency? Yeah, and who may respond in, you know, it may be 30 days, it may be 90, it may be 480 days, right? And if you're a machine shop trying to turn out a new product, right, you've just tooled up. Um, you know, I know a company uh, that just, just uh, you know, went $1.5 million in debt to tool up for a new um, line of handguns. What do you say to them, right? They got to get those machines gun running. It's, mm -hmm. it's really nightmarish. Uh, you know, it, it, if we let this go through, uh, it's really problematic, it, much more than some people might be giving it credit for. All right. So you talk about letting this go through. So right now, the uh, the the 90 day public comment period uh, is underway. Folks right. can submit their comments and they should submit their comments. We saw this, uh, you know, with the uh, earlier pistol brace guidance. I mean, there were a flood of gun owners who are commenting on this. And we really need that that same type of reaction here. But let's say that the, you know, 90-day window passes, the Biden administration, let's say when an overwhelming amount of opposition to this proposal comes in and the administration ignores each and every one of us, uh, they say, well, we're going to finalize this rule regardless. Are, are there legally actionable items in this proposal, you think, Matthew, that, uh, that the FPC and uh, other organizations could use to try to challenge this proposal in court. I think that there are a few things that are, that can be hit on. And a lot of it is going to depend on the agency's behavior over the next 90 days. Uh, so I do think that there's some recourse here. I do think that what they're doing is beyond what's acceptable. I think that they are trying to take it. I mean, we've known forever and it's not just the ATF, right? It's every administrative agency that tries to stretch their, their boundaries. I think that they are trying to take advantage of the fact that courts are hesitant to step in, um, sometimes hesitant to step in on a gun issue, you know, mm -hmm. less likely than on a, a First Amendment issue. Uh, problem is, this even poses First Amendment concerns, right? Because so? Well, let's say you're an artist, right? You make, um, you know, you take 
incomplete firearm parts make displays out of them. I'm sure tons of us have seen, you know, the rocking chairs made out of shotguns or, and, you know, there's a lot of anti-gun art that very mm-hmm. much benefits from incomplete manufactured firearm parts. If now all of a sudden your sculpture on the problems of gun violence, right, needs to go through an FFL and it's never been a weapon, right, but it's got that, you know, pre-firearm part in it, I think that's a First Amendment concern because it's not a weapon and this is a prior restraint on your speech. So that that I think it's I think it's a problem. I think it's hugely problematic. Yeah. Well, and again, uh, you know, it, 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 there, there's a reason why the ATF didn't do this before now. Yes. Uh, and I think they knew that this would open up a can of worms. They didn't want to deal with it. Gun control advocates, uh, on the other hand, you know, they want to see these changes. They know that they're in this window of opportunity where uh, this is their best opportunity in decades to try to advance their anti-gun agenda. So, you know, if it ends up in court, uh, maybe, you know, if you're a gun control advocate, look, maybe we win, maybe we don't, but at least we're moving the ball forward. I, I understand their perspective. I don't agree with it, obviously, but I understand their perspective. Uh, but uh, again, it's so important that gun owners get engaged, get involved right now. Um, are there any resources uh, there at FPC where folks can uh, learn a little bit more about this proposal? If they're looking for, you know, talking points, things that they want to hit on in their public comments, do you guys have any resources available? Oh, yeah. And there will be more stuff coming out as this goes on. You know, you can just go to, uh, you know, FPC Action, the main FPC website. There's all kinds of uh, resources that will be available there. And I know we've been sending out emails as the analysis continues. Um, I know we're, you know, we're working very diligently on this and you can definitely expect to see um, a lot of work coming from us on this on this front and especially paying extremely close attention to how the agency conducts itself over the next 90 days. I think that's but but to echo what you said, the most important part is for all of us to point out how bad this is. And I mean, especially I think if you are somebody who has used uh, incomplete firearm parts or something that could be considered incomplete firearm parts in your art, you definitely need to tell them about that. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's definitely happened and I think it's definitely a concern. We deserve to know when something isn't a gun, right? Yeah. So that we can use it for non-gun things such as art. Um, and if we just suddenly say, well, everything could possibly a gun, right? That takes that that whole piece of expression off the table, and I think that is a huge problem. Absolutely. Uh, all right, listen, Matthew, we got a uh, another order that'll probably be released here, another proposal anyway, in about a, a month or so, dealing with the pistol braces. Uh, would love to have you back on to talk about that. But if there are any developments, uh, I want to welcome you back to Cam and Company anytime. And thank you so much for joining us on the program today. It's always a pleasure, and I'm sure they'll release it on another Friday because they, they, you know, they know I'm not doing anything on the weekend. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Matty LaRosier joins from uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition, Director of Legal Policy over at FPC. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. Appreciate Matt's time today, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely be following up on this uh, in the weeks ahead. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our uh, good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will uh, start there, actually, with a case out of Iowa. Man sentenced to probation for Valentine's Day shooting that injured 
somebody, yeah, we did. Remember, gun control advocates, we need to put people in prison if you sell a gun to your neighbor without putting them through a background check. We need to put you in prison if you're carrying a gun without a license. We need to put you in prison if you've got a 20-round magazine and we say you can only have 10 rounds. We want to... All of these new nonviolent possessory offenses that come with prison time that gun control advocates want to put on the books directed at responsible gun owners like you and me. And what is going on right now in the existing criminal justice system? You can shoot somebody. You can shoot somebody and walk away with probation. That was what happened to Chavez Ekonom, who's 18 years of age, charged with shooting a man in the face and the torso. On Valentine's Day last year, the 57-year-old male victim was hospitalized, but Ekonom accepted a plea deal with prosecutors and pleaded guilty in February to willful injury causing serious injury. He was sentenced last week to five years probation. Five years probation. Not a day behind bars for an 18-year-old who shot a man in the face. Yeah. The Des Moines Register doesn't have any quotes from the victim in this case or any quotes from prosecutors trying to explain or justify their decision. I uh, would really like to know the circumstances that led to this plea bargain. And more importantly, I'd really like to hear from gun control advocates who, again, believe that you or I should spend 10 years in a federal prison if we maintain possession of our AR-15s without registering them with the federal government, I would like to hear these gun control advocates explain why they believe it's more important to put nonviolent, responsible gun owners in prison while we're letting individuals who shot someone in the face get away with a slap on the wrist and a probationary sentence. Kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen with this uh, armed citizen story, too. Hollister, California, where a, a suspected burglar shot in a home in uh, Hollister. This happened overnight, uh, KSBW reporting out of San Benito County. Hollister woman woke up this morning to find a suspected burglar inside of her walk-in closet. After giving him orders to leave and firing several warning shots, she ended up shooting the man in the leg. Neighbor Richard Postigo says, I'm dumbfounded over the whole thing. Uh, I said this actually occurred this morning. It was actually yesterday morning. It was Monday morning. Shooting happened around 6 o'clock Monday morning in a gated community outside of Hollister, known as the Montebello Estates. The uh, man shot 18-year-old Ocean Burger. Sounds like something you should eat, not somebody breaking into a home, but whatever. Shooter is the uh, homeowner, mother of two young children. Her uh, husband says mom went into uh, mama bear mode when she decided to arm herself. A uh, neighbor uh, said, uh, that's what her mother and aunt were telling me she was, just protect my kids first. Investigators say Ocean Burger was in possession of several knives and a uh, machete when the mother confronted him inside of her walk-in closet. They say Burger ignored orders to leave, and when the homeowner fired several warning shots, he allegedly advanced towards her. That's when the mother fired at the accused burglar, hitting him in the leg. KSBW says, quote, and California law may be on her side. You think? Yeah, even in California, they haven't managed to eradicate the right of self-defense yet. Someone's in your home, they're not supposed to be there, they're armed, and you tell them to leave, and instead they're approaching you while they're armed, you have a right to defend yourself. Ellen Campos, Assistant District Attorney for San Benito County, says there is a presumption that favors the homeowner. They're presumed that the person is in imminent fear of either death or great bodily injury. The neighbor 
puts it in non-legal terms, but uh, uh, terms I think that uh, we can all understand. Richard Prestigo says, quote, you got somebody nuts in the head inside your house. I don't know if he had a knife. I thought I heard maybe he had a knife. You just can't sit still and do nothing. Well, he did. He had several knives and a machete. Investigators say they will not be recommending any charges filed against the uh, homeowner who defended herself and her kids. That's good. But, uh, you know, look, man, even in gated communities, even in even in places with very restrictive gun control laws, criminals, they still find a way. I'm glad in this case, the uh, homeowner found a way to protect herself and her family. Uh, finally, today, our uh, good guy of the day from Ocala, Florida, where a, a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save a woman from a house fire that police believe may be arson, actually. This was uh, uh, last Friday, about 3 o'clock in the morning. The woman who lives in the house used her emergency alert necklace to call for help after she heard a loud boom and noticed that her front door was on fire. First officers on the scene uh, grabbed a fire extinguisher. Two others went to the back of the house. Woman who says that she has uh, lived in the home for uh, more than thirty years uh, says she doesn't know who would have done this, but uh, she was kind of trapped inside the house. She was waiting by the back door, but she was unable to open it because of an issue with the lock. She ended up telling the police that she was having trouble breathing. There was a lot of smoke inside the house, so one of the officers kicked the door in, was able to get the woman out. Again, arson uh, investigators looking into the cause of this fire. I, I can't help but wonder because it sounds like this uh, woman. You know, not not a criminal mastermind or or involved in any illegal activity. You you wonder if this was not a targeted attack, but they got the wrong target. You know, the 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 idiots who tried to burn down a home with people inside were aiming for another house, but instead they ended up getting this this woman's domicile. I don't know. We'll uh, try to give you any updates as they become available. But in the right place at the right time, we'll able to do the right thing. Those uh, police officers able to save the uh, woman in Ocala, Florida, from the. Uh, Again, what it, what appears to be an arson attack. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, actually, you know, there are a lot of things you can do when it comes to Bearing Arms. You can uh, subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. You can uh, find us on Rumble.com. Uh, just look for Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Also, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. You can find us there as well. But you know what else you can do? You can also become a VIP subscriber to Bearing Arms. Yep. All you have to do is go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. And uh, you can get exclusive analysis, commentary, news stories you won't find anywhere else. And if you use the promo code GUNS, G-U-N-S, you get 25% off of your VIP membership. I got to tell you, we really do appreciate your support. Uh, VIP members allow us to do programs like this each and every day, bringing you the latest Second Amendment news and information. Uh, And it is um, it's very important that we be able to continue to do this job. So, again, thank you to all of our VIP members. uh, And if you want to go one step beyond, you can even become a VIP gold member. That way you get exclusive analysis, commentary and more from uh, all of the town hall family of websites all right so that is going to do it for today's program we will be back tomorrow however with more of the latest second amendment news and information from all across the nation until then be well be safe and be free